warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Hi, Scott here. With me, as usual, it's Stephen. Good morning. Morning, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well, sir. We are honoured to be joined by another friend of the show, backed by popular demand, it says here. Mark, hello. <laughs> I wrote that. Yeah. He did write it, yeah. Hello. hello, how are you? How is everybody? Looking forward to this. this is... and, uh, it's a pleasure to be on with Stephen as well. Absolutely. I've enjoyed your episodes previously that you've done, um, so it's nice to be able to do um, a show with you. Um, yeah. So so thank you for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Bit of intelligent conversation for a change, hopefully. So wow. let's see how yeah. it goes. One out of the three, eh? <laughs> You're an optimist. I know, I know. This is why I invite you on. I was uh, say, <laughs> say, he's not met me before if he says I'm an optimist. <laughs> now, we were talking off air that tonight's um, choice of movie sort of came about as an unfortunate sort of accident almost, Mark. Am I correct? In, in, That's right. Yeah. We'd recorded about Melody, and I think off air, I think off air, I don't mm. think we did it in the episode, uh, I was saying that one of the songs, which was the one that goes uh, la li la li la 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 in yep. Melody, reminded me of a lot of the song at the end of Please Sir. Which is what it's in a black song, and you couldn't quite remember it. You couldn't uh, quite remember no, the song. No. But I do remember, uh, and then... You know, lo and behold, you suggest we do this film sometime later. Do you know what? I thought it'd just be a perfect sort of introduction to the first Real Britannia review of a British TV sitcom that made it to the big screen because I'm pretty sure this must have been one of the first. This is 1971, isn't it? And you know, yeah, I think I think there was an Alf Garnet one before it, possibly, but I could be wrong. Yeah, possibly. I could be wrong. It's one of the early ones, that's for sure. We yeah. know that. So, without further ado, please, sir, from 1971, we'll be back straight after this. These are the boys and girls who will one day be the keepers of our destiny. Their restraint and dignity, an everlasting wonder to their teachers. What was all that about? Oh, I don't know why you should ask me, Chief, but I mean, I'm the quiet, introspective child of the class, aren't I? You're about as quiet and introspective as Babyface Nelson. Oh, he's in 3B, isn't he? Shannon! Jingle. 
the, the kids around here, Price, haven't had much of a chance, you see. Well, if, if we care, I mean, if, if, if we commit ourselves, and if one kid responds, that, that's all it takes. One child, and our job is worthwhile. Any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. When your body's been cascaded with shrapnel like mine, Ozzy, you know, then you can jostle me. Until then, don't make a monkey out of a desert rat. Please, sir, or madam, get on this coach and enjoy a real holiday. Mr. Hedges, please. That's quite enough of that sort of thing for one day, thank you. Come and join the famous Fen Street Scholars, Class 5C. See what a change of air does for these children of nature. Where you get more from, you little gutter snipe? Out of my bluey garden! Misdirecting operations, Fen Street's general factotum, Norman Cotter. Heading the faculty, Miss Doris Ewell. Headmaster, Mr. Cromwell. And the erudite pupils themselves, the Fen Street Gang. All right, Mrs. Albert, I'll see your little soldier across the road. Oh, dear. Please, sir, is a wonderful world of civilized creatures. At any level, it's a comprehensive education in how to be wholly entertained. Please, sir, or madam, take your partners to this one. Please, sir. Released in the UK, 1971. Directed by Mark Stewart. Screenplay, John Esmond, Bob Larby. We will be talking about those two guys. Starring John Alderton and a host of very old school children, shall we say. <laughs> Again. Yeah, we'll get on to that. <laughs> uh, synopsis, spin-off from the popular TV show. Ran for four seasons, I think late 60s to the early 70s. And it basically, as most of these TV sitcoms, spin-off movies generally seem to do at the time, they take you away from the more familiar, cosy setting and the class find themselves at an outward-bound adventure holiday with a bunch of swatty kids and all hilarity ensues. So I'm going to turn to Stephen just quickly first of all, Mark, because I'm not too sure how familiar you might have been with Please Sir, mate, because you're... Just that little bit younger than us two. Uh, I am, uh, but no, I'm still familiar with it. Excellent. I saw it because um, it, it was one of those shows that was repeated endlessly on on television mm. over the years. So it still extended into my my awareness. I'd seen, I think I have seen the film once before as well, but until I started watching it, I didn't remember yeah. anything about it. Um, until the other night, I hadn't seen any of the Please uh, spin-off um, follow-up um, TV show. 
um, the Fen Street Gang, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and apparently there was a apparently there was a spin-off one. from that from that spin-off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, it was a, a successful franchise in that sense. But uh, yes, I was aware of this uh, growing up. I can't remember a lot of it. It was mainly the colour episodes rather than the, the I think because the first series was black and white, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was aware of it. I think the first few yeah. were black and white. Right. Mm. So, um, so I remember it as a colour TV show. So, um, so I was familiar with the concept and familiar with um, a number of the characters. Um, so okay. it, it wasn't a complete and utter um, surprise to me. Not your introduction to the whole concept of Pleaser was this movie. Okay, Mark, we know through conversations that we've had, this is probably you know one of your favourite and most sort of cherished memories of early sort of sitcoms in the seventies, isn't it? I believe this is one of your favourites. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really liked this when I was a kid. Uh, I was like six, seven, eight when this was on. Uh, and then more. Uh, basically, I remember this. Uh, I mean, there's lots of sitcoms, but I like the Doctor stuff. Yeah. Uh, Robin Edwell, this. I really always liked this because it was about school. It's almost to me like uh, a precursor to, you know, what Grange Hill became later yes. on, you know, in terms of something that you could sort of empathize this. However, the kids in this were like, I don't know. They were obviously not my age, <laughs> but they, it was London. It was London. Yeah. Um, and of course, when you're a kid, you don't think, "Oh, this is London." Like you know where I come from. But you just think, "Oh yeah, that's a school." Yeah. Because that's yeah. the only school you know, kind of. Well, thinking um, about it, very yeah, rarely. I really enjoyed this. Mm. I didn't see the early seasons with Penny Spencer. I only remember Carol Hawkins as Sharon. Yeah. Uh, now, doing the research, I think that means I'm only kind of familiar with season three because season three was the one with Carol Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And season four, they'd moved on. It was a completely uh, new class. You know, it wasn't Carol Hawkins. It was it was a new class. Yeah. And then there was Fen Street Gang, as you say. So I do remember watching Fen Street Gang, but I don't remember much about it. But I do remember watching it. But yeah, I do you're probably remember- best. You're probably best off not remembering much about the Fenster. I do gang, remember it being not that not as funny. I do remember that. Mm, yeah. yeah. But he was still written by uh, Esmond Malarkey. I really wasn't loved Fenster yeah. Gang. Still the same writing team, wasn't it? So Yeah. Yeah, but I just remember it's quite good. I think it was really helped by John Alderton, really. Uh, the police uh, well no, I think the whole sort of cast you know, Potter and Pricey and Whiffy Smithy, you know, yeah. they all kind of helped as well as the kids. Whereas when you took, you basically you were cutting the the ensemble in half, weren't you, with Fen Street Gang? Of so course, uh, yeah. that that didn't help. Yeah, and it had to be done at some point because literally, you know, we we just briefly mentioned these actors were in their twenties playing. Well, this is year five, <laughs> is it fifth form? So we're talking sixteen-year-olds. Well, yeah, I, I had a look yeah, about this. Sixteen. Yeah, yeah. This, right. this, this triggered in me because I, I just had to. I couldn't resist because I'm that kind of person. I had to go and have a look and see what the ages were. Mm. I had a look at this, and um, John Alderton was thirty when this was was filmed, <laughs> um, and uh, David Barry, who plays Frankie Abbott, he was only like two years younger. Uh, <laughs> um, and and the thing is that um, the he himself, Frankie Abbott, it was twenty eight years old when this was done, oh um, and the rest of them were like twenty seven and and twenty six, <laughs> and um, I think the youngest out of all of them happened to be twenty two, and that that was you know that was pushing it as far as the lower <laughs> age range. So it was it's traditional to get people who are into their 20s playing teenagers we already know that but this seemed to be the extreme really as far as um <laughs> what, we, what we've experienced but people just accepted it though didn't they so yeah 
It's um, yeah, I think uh, the the setup just made it kind of work. The only one that really ever stood out to me when I was watching it it was Duffy because Duffy looks about thirty five, <laughs> um, and and I think when he looked when that actor was twelve, he probably looked thirty five. He's just had one of those old faces, yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, but, but, but we, yeah. we we didn't think of it at the time. It didn't bother us, you know. Well, probably because we were younger than sixteen at the time, anyway. So we just thought they were older kids. Yeah, everyone looks old. Yeah, yeah. everyone looks old. But looking back at it now, this time, I mean, it is it is glaringly obvious. But it didn't detract from the enjoyment of the movie for me. I just thought it was quite funny, you know. There's just the whole situation that there are these older people playing teenagers. Um, and having a bloody good time. We get, we get it. like a few years later with Greece, though, right? We had Contravolters. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's like a thing in the seventies that was fine. <laughs> well, it was it was this thing that was um, lampooned on the young ones at one point. They had one of the cutaways to um, Ben Elton and and somebody else, and there was I can't remember the actor's name, but he's he's like six foot five or whatever, um, and he was playing the teacher just because he happens to be looming over um, adult actors who happen to be shorter, but they're in the school uniform, um, and no, they. You know, that was lampoon in Green Chill, I think, more than um, Please Sir, but still there must have been an element of, of that in there. Although apparently there is a link to Green Chill in this. Oh, I was just about to bring this up. Can I show you something? You go for it. You go for it. Yeah, what Stephen is referring to. Mark, obviously you don't know what this connection is. Stephen's spotted it. At the beginning of the assembly, there's a young child wearing a Brazil oh, football uh, Todd top. Todd Carty, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did recognise him, yeah. Very, yeah. very young Todd Carty. He must be about yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> He's got, they've gone from one extreme to another. 27-year-olds yeah, yeah. and four-year-old actors. Yeah, no, I, I did recognise him, yeah. <laughs> Just going back to the beginning, and you also mentioning the, the theme tune, which is played at the end, sung by Cilla Black. The thing that always disappointed me about sitcom movies was that they always rejected the familiar theme tune that you know we'd always be used to like the bless this house would have a completely different theme or the rising damp movie was completely different and for a while i thought this isn't gonna play the it's called schools out isn't it i think or something yeah yeah and it does but it plays a very different version of it it's not quite the same as the tv but i was so pleased that they kept you know, the familiar TV theme that we're used to. In fact, I think the theme is probably better known than the TV series nowadays to the kids. The theme is iconic. It really is. Mm. Uh, strangely, it always reminds me of the theme of um, University Challenge. It's kind of similar. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and I get the two sometimes. Not mixed up, but it's like one definitely as an association with the other. It's a great theme tune. And I always thought it was a good one. You know, it was like, ah, you could settle down on a, I can't remember when it's broadcast. I'm going to guess a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, or it was London weekend television, right? So it would be Friday it was, night or su- Sunday, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, but you can settle down, you know what you're going to get kind of thing. It, yeah. it is. The theme is, is iconic and, and is within the consciousness. I think with people, even if they don't know necessarily directly where it's from, it's that familiarity that means that, you know, that's why people like Adam for the Attaboy Clarence of, of taking it off for, oh, yeah, <laughs> for bits of him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's got that familiarity, which, you know, is within the, the British consciousness, I think now, which shows that the love that there was uh, originally for the, the TV show. Yeah, definitely. I think it's sort of the, I think Chris Evans adopted it for something, but as you say, Adam uses it for the question pot with his own lyrics. He sings his own lyrics over the top of it. Bless him. So. <laughs> It's not much point in going through the plot too much of this movie, I think, because 
it's, it's, it's wafer thin. It's, it's, as I say, the sitcoms, when they're adapted into movies, they took the opportunity to have a bigger budget and just to take you out of that familiar locale that we're used to. So let's get it out of the classroom. Let's get it into the countryside. And that's basically what happens here. It happened with Are You Being Served when they went to Spain although that was all shot in a studio, if I remember rightly. They didn't actually go to Spain at all. You know? Yeah, the holiday, <laughs> going somewhere different is, is like as you say, a, a big thing in sort of sitcoms, isn't yeah. it? So, you know, transfers. It. Mm, yeah. even, even Porridge, though. That was that wasn't that was him in the outs, you know. He escaped, him, yeah. Uh, escaped <laughs> and trying to get back in. So yeah, it, it takes the opportunity to to film outside the studio, as you say, in, in norm, normally. Yeah. Um, and that's what they did here. They the, went outside the normal set. Not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily a bigger budget, to be honest, as well, because I don't <laughs> think. <you're quite laughs> <laughs> there's not much to show for it, believe it or not. So, uh, it's. I mean. Generally, what did we think of the film watching this 50 years down the line, guys? I personally really enjoyed this film. Uh, I've seen it a few times. It's not like a big, big, you know, top 10 ever or anything <laughs> like that, but it's got a certain, certain nostalgia. There's some nostalgia in there, but I think yeah. it still works. And I actually watched this with my daughter, who's 17. Okay, what did she I was think? Kind of into, uh, well, to start off, we actually watched some of the old TV shows uh, mm-hmm. together. The first few episodes of season one, yes, uh, which we found really interesting. They're and different, kind of, aren't they? Because uh, they're, they're forty-five they're minutes long, aren't they? They're, they're longer. They're from... forty-five minutes long. Yeah. They're almost more like a comedy drama than a comedy. But she really liked those. Yeah. Yeah. Though she found some bits of it a bit jarring because it's a different ethos, a different time. Yeah. And I was kind of keen for her to watch this film because it was representing some of that ethos, different time in a slightly different way. So we watched film together and she really enjoyed it as a film not could no nostalgia you know of course yeah she just enjoyed it as a film she thought it was kind of interesting and i was and she's got a very very highly attuned radar around you know homophobia misogyny mm-hmm. sexism stuff like that so i was kind of interesting uh racism interesting what she's make of it and she said oh yeah it, you know there was a few things, but nothing that really took me out of it because it was from the seventies. So you know, you got to accept some of these. She things. understands. Uh, she yeah. was kind of more shocked about the the girls having short. She goes, "They're going on about us having short skirts <laughs> <laughs> at school." Those. True, and they yeah. are they are proper short. I mean, this is the height of the miniskirt, I would imagine, because they were like right to their knickers. Okay, this is right. I mean, it was like a bit much. Right. And, and somebody outfit Cheryl's wearing, it's like, bloody hell. But she's a grown woman. Uh, <laughs> that's what you've got to remember. She's not a 16-year-old child. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, man, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting to watch it with my daughter and uh, to say she liked it. She she was kind of aware. Of, there was a few ra- slightly racist elements, slightly. Yeah, with Brinsley Ford, um, yes. Yeah, playing Wesley. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to mention he was a great addition, actually. He didn't have much to do, but it was a great addition to, you know, someone other than <laughs> one of the background kids. Yeah. Um, I always liked Brinsley Ford. He was great in the double deck. He, he was, was in good the double in this. deck. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he did Oswald. He went on to Aswad, As- didn't Aswad, he? didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah Aswad. Yeah. I think he's on... Yeah. Uh, is it Six Music? I think he presents a couple of shows there every now and again, yeah, yeah. amongst other things. He's yeah. very likeable. He's always been a good presence in everything he does. Brinsley Ford, MBE, believe it or not. Yes, yeah. too right. Yeah, bloody right. So, Stephen, from your point of view, nostalgia-wise, I mean, you've you've seen it over the years. So, 
first time watch properly for this movie. So what were you thinking? Second. 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 So how did it stand up for you, mate? Well, it's, I think this is the first time me watching it to actually pay attention to it properly rather than it just being something that washes over me. Mm. Um, it's Obviously, I don't have the, the nostalgia element that you two um, old chaps do uh, with regards <laughs> to um, the, the, watching it at the time um, when the TV series was out and things. But yeah. I think the, the film, as it stands, is a, a very much um, Ealing-esque um, and it's this comedy style, really. It's it's just that that way of doing British comedies with the the setup and the the way that things are resolved and the sort of the the in between bits where there's people coming together and it's it, it it just follows that format and it's not that's not a negative thing to say about it. I mean, obviously, because that's the format that that works. So, although I think that it unfortunately did show a bit of signs of it being sort of stretching what may have been more of a, of a half an hour episode um, <laughs> amount of content over over a film's length it still had a charm to it it's it's you know i wouldn't sit here and say it's it's say it's a brilliant film it's it's not but it's because all got a charm to it um and as far as you know what you were saying about y- your daughter mark the um the view of its equality aspects i mean it it actually shows a bit more progressiveness than than some other things of the time. It actually it doesn't shy away and pretend that those issues aren't existing. It doesn't wholeheartedly go into some of the things that were still going on for years within films and TV shows as far as um, racism and sexism. But it, it has some bits in there that are a bit sort of, oh, well, we won't do that these days. But for the time, I think it was actually quite progressive and was quite keen uh, to, yeah. to, to, address, to address these that, issues, to be fair. Well, yeah, my daughter actually raised that. She said it was kind of nice that you saw that there were some people that weren't, you know, were anti-racism and, and, and were taking care, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the stewardess that he kind of hooks up with Penny, mm. uh, is of, of that mind. That's his hedges, right? Hedges is totally, you know, okay. And it's kind of funny when they find out Wesley has been saying he's, you know, he's terrible <laughs> he's, to the black yeah. blacks in the classes. Yeah. Like um, and, uh, and Duffy's like, you what? <laughs> Wesley, what you been doing? Exactly. He's just one, one of them, isn't he? He's just one of their one of their class at the end of the day. He's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, even even the bits I was a bit sort of cautious when they started with the um the Muslim kid. I was, I was you know, with his prayer mat and stuff, and I thought, <laughs> oh, where are they gonna go on this one? Because I couldn't remember I couldn't remember. But then it's used as a foil um to to not make fun of Muslims and and their practices and things. It's actually again used to be, you know, their part is part of the gang, and uh, you know he's he's joining in, having a different way of actually um, taking a pop at the the um, teachers for fun. Yeah. So uh, so that that as well, I was like a bit cautious. Oh, then suddenly, well. suddenly suddenly it turned out all right. So you know, we, I think in all of those aspects, I think it could have ended up just being a. Um, a bit of a, of a car crash in, in those terms, but it wasn't. So it kept it being a film that, you know, it, it had funny bits in it still to this day. I'm sure it was funnier at the time than, you know, it is now in, in retrospect for somebody who, who wasn't around at the time. But it still has some funny lines in it, some funny bits, and um, it's not terribly acted. So, the you know, the, it's got enough in it to, to you know, to mean that um, it's not completely written off. Um, and I can I can see why yourselves have affection for it 
because you know it, it is it is a, a film that just try you know gives you a warm uh, feeling about um about that time which you were oh. you're growing up and you were watching and remembering this was this was the 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 comedy of your time sort of thing any of these spin-offs for me I mean, I've recently watched the two Steptoe movies literally about three, four weeks ago. And after watching the first one, I put the second one on the following night because I had so much fun just going back. And and as Mark said, for us, it's a lot of nostalgia, not just... uh, Stephen, interestingly, you you said something about it's the first time you've really sort of watched it without letting it wash over you. We we try and watch films and and sort of criticise and be analytical, you you can't be analytical about this movie. It's just you know, it's just a piece of harmless fun, and and as Mark said, it's not going to be an Oscar winner. It's not going to be in the top ten of any list apart from the top ten films starring John Alderton. That's probably the only top ten list it'll ever appear in. <laughs> yeah. Um, Funny yeah. enough, it, it was one of the best money makers in British cinema of the year. Apparently, probably. Yeah, yeah. Was. Well, this is what we keep discovering with things that the, you know, there's films that. Um, what was it before? Um, what did we, what did we watch before? There was one of the films that was that's think, completely that's forgotten, pretty much from this public consciousness. That was like the, the think, highest grossing film of the time. I think it was the Blue Lamp. So if the Blue yeah. Lamp or Passport to Pimlico, one of those two, I think, wasn't it? But they were, you know, the British comedies. Not so much in this era, but post-war, when people wanted sort of cheering up and things, the comedies were huge, which is why Ealing, yeah. you know, became... but it wasn't. But it wasn't. No, it wasn't just the comedies because I remembered which it was. It was. It was um, always rains on a Sunday. That's right. Which you know, public public consciousness has completely forgotten. I mean, we're trying to bring that back in our own little way, but mm. um, and and gradually people will cotton on and realise we're right. But <laughs> uh, um, that was that was no, that was I think the best best grossing British film of, of the year or whatever for the year it came out, but yeah. hardly anybody knows of it now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's this is, you know, it's, top, as you say, a top ten films um, starring John Alderton, <laughs> I suppose, would be uh, would be one of its few few lists it gets onto. But, but yeah, well, talk, talking of, of people in this, though, I suppose um, Village Hall of Fame. Yes, please. Lists. Yep. There is one that I, I recognised when we there's, watched something last yeah. week. Yeah. There's three that are in a second appearance. Okay. Um, which is um, Eric Chitty. Yeah. Um, I he... can't remember who he played in this, but he was in Bedazzled before. Oh, Norman I Bird, we recognised from from a number of things. He was the um, the the guy who the boss of the camp, as it were. He, we've seen him in plenty of things, and he'll crop up in a number of other uh, films before long, I'm sure, because he was in all sorts of things. But he happened to be in um, Legal Gentleman before. The bus driver, Jack Smethurst, he was in Carrie yeah, on Saturday. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jack Smethurst, so, I've forgotten he was in this. Yeah. Was, so, yeah. What was he in? The, um, he was a bus driver in this and he was in Carrie on Sergeant before. Blimey. Very so, young Jack Smethurst. I don't yeah. remember him being so, in Carrie on Sergeant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so, actually, but the, the one you'll have identified will be the um, the actual one who does get into the Village Hall of Fame, um, which was in Scrooge and Scott of the Antarctic. So, And his name is Scott. Is he Noel Howlett? <laughs> oh. the, the famous Noel Howlett. See, I thought it was Eric um, Chitty. Was yeah, I thought Eric Chitty was in Scott of the Antarctic, but it's Noel Howlett. He plays the reporter, doesn't he? That stands yeah. up and asks a question. So, what else yeah. was he in? What was the third movie? It was in Scrooge. Wow. So he goes into the Hall of Fame. Mark, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you listen to the podcast, and one of the sort of things we've noticed over the past two and a half years is that it's not 
your John Mills or your Laurence Olivier's that are going into the Hall of Fame by appearing in three movies. It's these lesser-known yeah. character it's actors. Amazing. I mean, our favourite one that we always mention is Marianne Stone. Oh, bless her. Right. She's in Lowe's, isn't she? Yeah, there was like over 150, 200 movie appearances. And the only way I can and describe every it... franchise. Yeah, she was in The Norman Wisdom, in A Carry On, she was in everything. But the only Bond, she was in everything. Yeah. The only way I can describe her to people is like, because they go, who's Marianne Stone? She's the mother in Carry On Doctor who brings her son in that's got the jerry stuck on his head because he's been playing with granddad's Poe. You know, it's, it's, she's the mother. It's her. And yeah. you wouldn't even think of her as being so prolific, but she just crops up in everything. And Cyril Chamberlain's the other one, isn't it? And Martin Boddy, I think, yeah. is the other two. Yeah, Martin Boddy and then the Hickson. And the, the Hickson. God bless her, Joan Hickson. So what I liked about this as well, it gave you a little bit of an introduction to the characters for those that weren't familiar with it. For those that hadn't seen the TV series, I think could pretty much get an idea of, uh, say, Maureen. She's quite religious. You know, Duffy is the cheeky chappy. Frankie Abbott, as as well you know, Mark, my little soldier, mm-hmm. which we've had... I've got to talk about <laughs> Frankie Abbott, by the way. Okay. I have to talk about Frankie Abbott. But I like the way that the characters... Immediately, if you hadn't seen this before, you'd know what each one was about and what each one was like. You know, straight away, you know that Hedges is quite idealistic, a little bit naive, but still, you know, good at heart, just wanting the best for his kids. Tell us about Frankie Abbott, mate. Frankie Abbott, right. Well, I have a spiritual link with Frankie Abbott because I used to like this show, and my I'm a single child. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is Frankie Abbott, and my mother used to make terrible fun of me, and she still does to this day. She would call me my little soldier and say, I'll bring your sandwiches to school for you, and so <laughs> just to tease me. And to this day, she's 74 yeah. now. She still calls me my little soldier sometimes. She still does it because um, <laughs> she used to make fun of me because I don't know. I'm not, I like to think I was, was not a mummy's boy like Frankie <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man Frankie Albert means a lot to me <laughs> Dennis Dunstable is an actor called Peter Denyer I didn't realise this until this morning when I was looking a few things up do you remember this TV sitcom Dear John yes I remember and I recognised him when I first saw that I thought no. that's Dennis from um, yeah. Police uh, didn't ring any bells I can't remember his character name it's not um, is it Ralph I was no, going to say Ralph but Ralph was the guy that was um the Lothario, wasn't he? That always wore the white suit, wasn't it? No, that was uh, Kirk Zumbaritz. Oh, that was it. Yeah, he's Ralph then. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, yeah he was... Because Ralph Bates is the lead actor, John, isn't he? That's it, it. yeah. And I, I didn't realise that was him until this morning. Do you know, it still makes me laugh. Every time I see Joan Sanderson, you immediately think of Forty Towers and Mrs Richards. But, yeah. But the, the as I said, the character traits are still there, her fawning over the headmaster and, and Derek Guiler as Potter. You know, I was a desert rat, I've got shrapnel going to my heart. You know, that that was one of the funniest lines, you know, when it was, became a competition between him and Mr Dunstable, you know. Mm. Absolutely loved it. But for me, the movie sort of fell flat in the middle. It was just a bit, oh, here we go, a bit predictable, chucking along. And it wasn't until the headmaster and all the other characters were brought back for the last act or the last sort of 20 minutes I thought, oh, that's better. You know, it's picked up again. Because as you said earlier, Mark, it's not just about the kids, this sitcom, this movie. It was about the relationship between the teachers as well. 
There was a lot of stuff here that I think informs, um, maybe informs things like Gregory's Girl. Uh, I think maybe Melody and stuff like that does it more. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the non-sitcom elements of this, you know, the character stuff in this informs, yeah. I think, maybe, uh, things like uh, Gregory's Girl. Uh, I just really liked it. I think the whole cast really worked well, and they picked it up really well from the um, from the actual you know the tv show they it transfers over like you kind of said they got all the characteristics but i like some of the additions i think for example paul patsy Rowlands is absolutely <laughs> fantastic in this and the little bit she's given to do she's so good it's ridiculous what do they call her cutthroat isn't it i think they call her yeah because yeah, her name is but uh, yeah. when she starts vamping up on his bed is this his bed <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny she will probably appear in the Hall of Fame before a few other oh, people she, as well. She went. She was in like virtually every Carry On from a certain point yeah. in time. Yeah, but I think she's better in this. I think because the, the writing is a little better. I think what she's given to do, and it isn't much. She's and you know it's quite broad, mm. but particularly the bit where she goes in, you know, with Price. She's, yeah, is this his bed? <laughs> she's lying on it, and then um, Doris comes in. <laughs> oh, and then she, she tries to sneak out, creeping out. Yeah, uh, Doris catches her. <laughs> that is really funny. And and one of the you know the tropes that is evident in a lot of these sitcom spin-offs, we have a food fight. You know, it's almost custard pies, but we have a food fight at one point. Dennis Dunstable and the, and, the, and the whole thing with the gypsies. What was the little kid's name? Um, Nobbler. 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 Yeah, Nobbler. <laughs> John Alden approaching gypsies was generally <laughs> hilarious. Like, like they, were, they, were, they were Native American Indians. I come in peace. <laughs> we're not yeah. Indians, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, some people would sort of like, you know, just all wince at that. You know, how, how are they going to deal with this? Because you can't even say the word gypsy now, probably. But it, it it made me chuckle. That was one of the bits that made me laugh out loud. You know, he goes and there it all felt, determined. It felt authentic, actually. The way the old lady was talking felt like a, a gypsy of that time, a Romany gypsy of that yeah. time would talk. So I don't think it was like denigrating in any way. No. You know, in that sense. And like, like oh, here we go. We're being accused of something. Nobles, yeah, yeah, I did. Stole the money. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> that resolved really well. It could have been way worse than yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of respectful in that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just little touches through this film. And like you say, it does fall a little flat. One of the things about it is they are the five seat are right dicks to the uh, posh kids. Yes. They basically provoke them, right? And then they get the <laughs> ump when they react back. And it's like, this is, you know, like, and I do like at one point, they're like arguing with the kids about the paintings because they're. Five C are just bullying them, and like uh, Hedges comes along and goes, "These boys are bullying us, sir." Mm. And, uh, and he slaps up one of them, and he clips him around the ear roll. There's a lot of clip around the ear roll, which I thought was hilarious. Actually, <laughs> Frankie Abbott in particular gets a lot of cuffs around the head, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's refreshing. I said, "Yeah, you mm. can do that in the good old days." Is what I said. To That's you. right. Yeah, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, um, we we said most of these films are sort of standalone and bear no sort of relationship to any ongoing story that's going on in a sitcom. But this one is different because what um, happens with this, Hedges is chatting up the barmaid stroke stewardess, Penny, and in the last season, which was 71, I think it was, which must have followed this, he ends up marrying her. She comes into the TV series. Wow, that is quite unusual. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. It was, it was just something, again, that I spotted this morning, that... 
and it's a direct reference. She's not playing a different character. She's playing Penny the stewardess, and he ends up still dating her throughout season four and finishes, I don't know if it's the last one, it might have been a Christmas special, I think it was, that he marries her. Yeah. I really liked, actually, how they presented a relationship in this film because you could kind of see why she liked him. And you obviously, you know, mm. you know, it worked, didn't it? They f- it felt like there was something there, so yeah. I like that. Stephen, any final thoughts, sir? No, I I'll agree with um, what you said about it falling a bit flat in the middle. Um, it was it was stretched, and they probably could have done with another back and forth between the posh kids and the kids like ourselves, mm. um, the common kids. And um, they could have probably done with another back and forth just to to fill in a bit of time and make make the tension between the two groups a bit more than it just being a sing- almost like a single incident. Yeah. But um, other than that, I, I, as I said before, it's a film which you know, isn't without its charm. It um, definitely ties into a nostalgia, but even the stuff that could be considered um, offensive in modern eyes in the context of the day weren't offensive. It was actually progressive. So it's a film that I think, from my point of view, with ra- rating-wise, with my strange rating, rating system, <laughs> um, I would say that it's um, it's one that people should not necessarily go hunt out as such, but if it's on, just take the, take the time to just watch it because it's, it's not uh, something that overstays its welcome. It's over quite quickly, and none of it is is offensive or, or feels like it's um, wasted, really. So just give it a go if you yeah. get the chance. I mean, Mark, you've you've rated and reviewed this on Letterboxd, I take it, as you do with most of your movies? Yeah, I gave it a four out of five. I didn't write much about it other than saying it was fun and charming and it kind mm. of holds up. Uh, but I gave it four out of five. I really enjoy this one quite a bit. I think maybe that's four out of five is probably a bit strong, actually. I was going to go uh, three. Yeah, I was going to go three because, in my mind, there are better examples of this type of movie. But at the same time, I had quite a laugh watching it night before last mm. And again, particularly for me and you, it was a lot of nostalgia rather than, you know, I was laughing at some of the memories and just think, oh, blimey, because I've been doing a bit of a recap on the TV series and I'm about halfway through season two at the moment. Yeah, so Carol Hawkins hasn't even come into it as yet. But even then, I'm finding them quite a little bit repetitive as I'm going on. There's a a lot of them as well. There was like 20 episodes to a season, wasn't there? British TV, Mm. wasn't it? Yeah. But it's interesting the way it developed from season one to season two, as we say, it was more, like you said, as well as the comedy, there was like the social issues of the time as well that sort of brought in to drag it out to like, would have been an hour, I suppose, with commercial breaks and and black and white because it was 1968, 69. You know, it's incredible to to think that we're sitting here watching a 50-year-old movie that nobody probably even talks about and and saying how much we all three of us enjoyed it, which is great. It's great. This is what Real Britannia is all about. You know, we don't just do the heavy dramas like It Always Rains on Sunday or Man for All Seasons or some of the major classics. This era is, is very bizarre for British movie making because... You know, after the Ealing comedies and things had died and the carry-ons were coming towards the end here, we're starting hitting the, the TV spin-offs and also the sex comedies are sort of going to creep in about this sort of time, the Confessions films, the Adventures films. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a very strange British, time. Mm. Yeah. British cinema was at an odd point at this point because there was some really fantastic films coming out in British cinema, but not comedies. No. Uh, well... Maybe some of these. It was more like your your Ken Russell, uh, things like Wicker Man, yeah. Um, you know the Devils, Women uh, in Love, and Kub- all that. Yeah. If you count it, Kubrick's 
stuff. You yeah. know, I know it's American director, but yeah. you know, and there's all all these really terrific sort of British based films. But then there's this like almost home market stuff, isn't it? This place, sir, and and melody and stuff like that. They're they're for the home market. I was going to say really. I couldn't see this finding an international audience. No, but I think some people would enjoy it. Yeah, but, I mean, I think Australia. This is definitely yes. was in Australia yeah. and and places like that, but America, may probably not. Yeah. Have you guys got just to sort of finish off because we're just going to sort of round off with just a general conversation about sitcom movies. Have you got a favourite sitcom movie that you'd like to bring to the table at a future date? Well, I think I mean I've already my familiarity and um, you know. I've, think i've already mentioned it about three times already um, the <laughs> porridge one yeah i do think that's a, a one of the finest examples um the step toe ones i've you know I'm, I'm inclined to revisit yeah um some of the other ones though um i'm not really that familiar okay. with so it'd be, it'd be um taking a bit more of a pop um to have a, a go i know there was as, as you said the the hammer um on the buses mm. ones which um I, i've I'm, I'm sure i have seen but I'm just uh, I don't really remember that well. No, I think the, I think the top of the list would be for me would be um would be porridge. Porridge really. for you, Mark. What would what would your choice be if we were to do another um, one? I I'd say my my top would probably be step toe. Um, there's a few others I like though. I kind of like I think at least the first on the buses. I'm trying to remember the other two. I can't really remember. Yeah, uh, I really, uh, we've already done police. Sir. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. I'll, I'll I mean, you... it depends. If you, you we talk about seventies, I think so because I think that's the golden age. I mean, because obviously, got like, absolutely fabulous had a movie, didn't they? And um, League of Gentlemen had their yeah. own sort of spin-offs. But I mean, this sort of era, we're talking Bless This House, Rising Damp. Steptoe, the Alf Garnet ones, as we say. Love Thy Neighbor had a movie. Man About the House? Yeah, that was bad. Mm -hmm. That was bad. Man About the House wasn't good. Rising Damp wrecked it because they just took it out of the... uh, You know, the the things too far. Um, I quite like Up Pompeii. That was the other one. Up Pompeii. Oh, yes. Yeah, up the front and up the chastity belt with Uh, the three, wasn't there? Yeah. Likely Lads had a movie. Which one? Likely Lads had a spin-off. I don't remember seeing that. Oh, I Wasn't can't there remember. Two? No, there was one. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's Ian, um, you know, Lafrenet and uh, Clement. Uh, yeah. So I reckon that probably stand up the way that Porridge would. Yeah. Because mm. they're quite, they're good at that. I think the ones that stand up are those two, when it's those two, um, and when it's um, Johnny Spate, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So to, uh, the Afghanic one, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and and um, But Please Sir is the other one. Yeah, uh, but we've already covered that, right? <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd like to revisit at least a couple because I think, as we say, it's a very, very strange period in British comedy movies, and these were these were massive. You know, the, the, there was a good period that every year for five or six years there'd be two or three released over the summer. You can guarantee it, really. Yeah, and they're still kind of doing it. There's like an in-betweeners movie and that one with Jack White. Oh, what's it called? Um, the, the teacher one, which is kind of a. A grandchild of Please Sir, really, the one where Jack yes. Wells is teacher. Can't think what it's oh, called. I can't remember. No, uh, I quite like that movie. They go to Cornwall, uh, and it's stupid as hell, but it kind of does make me laugh. And as I say, the in betweeners uh, and stuff like. That. I just wonder, do you count the Python movies? You probably could. Do you know what? The That's one... a different beast, isn't it? It's the not on... a sitcom. Yeah, the only one that would probably fall under that sort of wheelhouse would be and now for something completely different which was sketches yeah. from the show wasn't it rather than a big yeah. movie yeah. using the cast and 
Yeah, and as you say, it's still happening with God help us, Mrs. Brown's boys had a movie, didn't it? The movie, wasn't it? The movie. Yeah, and Ali G, <laughs> Ali G. Uh, the in-betweeners movies were the only ones that really uh, succeeded, but I, I do like the Jack Whitehall one too. Bad education. Bad, That's the one. Bad education. That gets terrible ratings, but I actually quite like it. Yeah. But even, even they, things like Bottom honest, didn't succeed, did it? You know, like, oh, what's that? The, Guest House Paradiso? No, it didn't. No. Paradiso, that, yeah. that didn't work. And, um, yeah. But yeah, you can use the same cast in, in things, and like you said about the Pythons and things, and but it's not quite the, it's the same. I mean, it's it's like, um, I suppose there were TV movies rather than rather than yeah. general release films, but there was all the Comic Strip Presents stuff, wasn't there, and, and things. Yeah. Um, some of those were, you know, Supercross was pretty good. Um, it's a player, but they also did the same thing with dramas, right? In the early 70s, we had well, the Sweeney movies and yeah, Callum, yeah, and yeah. So- yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. That was another thing, big spin offs. Because, um, let's have a think. Um, the Sweeney had two, two, um, and well, a third in 2000. Well, that was nasty, yeah, yeah, quite a mess. Going Great back, to, going back to you, sir. One. Yeah, it's an Doctor one. Who had a couple of movies. Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, there Sweet was question. a weird yeah. old Doom Watch movie. Um, yes, there was. Yeah, and there, there's quite a lot when you start looking into it. Yeah, uh, Thunderbirds had spin-offs. That's right, and then even uh, if you go to things like the Wallace and Gromits and you know Shaun the Sheep and yeah, those things. You That's... know, it's not uncommon, but I think the golden era was round about what we're talking about today, that early yeah, to mid-70s. It was the done thing, wasn't it? If there was a BBC or ITV sitcom, chances are... This was back in the day before... Do you remember, like, at Christmas, you know, Christmas Day, you'd have your big movie, you'd have your Bond film, whatever it be, you'd have a premiere. But then when people started getting VHSs and video recorders and and that sort of died because the the big movie was no longer a novelty so they started doing feature length only falls and horses or christmas specials of whatever comedy at the time you know they still do it today so that's what's happened to it i think we're still yeah, getting yeah. feature length converts like miami vice for only falls and there was a one foot in the grave long extended yeah. one and stuff like that which is fine i think that's actually best for it i think yeah, yeah. so it still happens it still happens to a certain degree it just doesn't get the big cinema race and also this was probably part of a double bill at the time you know because we always had the two movies whenever we went to the cinema it wasn't just the one yeah so i could imagine this being on a double bill with Oh, I, I don't know, another comedy at the time. It would yeah. have been two comedies, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have been a horror film and a comedy together, you know. It's just not dumb. But, yeah, okay. Tell you what we'll do, guys. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back straight after this. Okay, and we're nearly at the very end of the show. All that's left for us to work out between us is, Mark, we'd love for you to come back. Have you got anything in mind, sir, that we can talk about when you're next with us? Yeah, there is some bit right at the front of my mind because I actually went and saw this on stage yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And it is the film version of what I went to see, and the film is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. British movie, Stephen? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, I would yeah, say so. We can discuss how, how it is. 
excellent. I know that film so well. Um, I'm sure both of have you, you got the uh, Have you got the uh, corset and all that? I'm yeah. wearing it now. I'm wearing it now. Um, that's funny. <laughs> I'm sitting here in gold speedos. <laughs> I'm dressed as a French maid, so there you go. <laughs> And on that it's note, meant to be, right? <laughs> yeah. On that note, <laughs> Stephen, thanks as always for being here, sir. My pleasure, Mark. Very quickly before you go, quick plug for your podcast, sir. Oh, here we go. Mm. Uh, I'll keep it short. Sweet. The good, the bad, and the odd. We do everything. We do everything. <laughs> and uh, I want to also mention the one of the sub podcasts of that, which because it's quite specific and might be of interest to certain people. Uh, I run a, a sub podcast off of that, so you can just use the main one uh, called Anthologic, and that is going through TV anthology shows, mostly horror and sci-fi and mystery stuff, yeah. but all sorts of anthology shows. There's unbelievable amount of tv anthology shows out there yeah. that most people would not have heard of half of it so it's worth coming and having a listen they're short shows i sort of just tell you about the episode two what i think um so it's nice easy listening so uh, yeah come listen yes yes and i'm still lined up to be a guest on that i believe aren't i for ta- yeah, ta- tales of the unexpected yeah looking forward to that mark thank you for being here today mate it's been an absolute pleasure having you on board again thank you oh it's my pleasure Mark, Stephen, cheers, guys. See you very soon. Take care. Bye. Absolute shower. A positive shower. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.